She's been on the Today Show, Good Morning America. She's got two eBooks. Don't worry, I'll put the links with the show notes. But let's go ahead and get started with our conversation with Jillian Benfield. Welcome to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine. And Jillian, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is such a treat. It's going to be an exciting conversation, but we always start out with the first question of how did you end up at an IEP table? Uh, so can I give you a long answer? Yes, go for <laughs> uh, okay. it. So um, my background is a little bit like your beginnings where, um, well, first I was a journalist. Um, I was a news anchor and reporter. And then my husband, while well, my husband was in dental school, and then he um, decided to pay for dental school using an Air Force scholarship. So uh, we, I took the year off of news. We moved across the country from Georgia to Las Vegas. Um, and then we, I thought since that was just a one-year assignment that I would go back to news um, once that assignment was done. And then we got stationed in Alamogordo, New Mexico, which there is not even a target there, let alone a TV news station. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I tell you all of that because eight days after we arrived in New Mexico, that's when we found out that our unborn son likely had Down syndrome. Um, and so eventually that's how I ended up at an IEP meeting is that son did have Down syndrome and um, he is now six and a half years old. And so we've been through, I don't know, is that like four IEPs so far? A lot. <laughs> Something a lot. like that. <laughs> so and, I was gonna say, so, so you're a, you're a mom of Anderson who has Down syndrome. You also have other children, correct? Let's, let's include them in yes, there. I have um, an eight-year-old girl, Violet, and I have a four-year-old son, Preston. All right. So you're a busy mom. And I share that because a lot of our listeners, they're moms, they're busy moms, they're busy teachers. And as we get into this conversation, I want them to know, like, you get them, you, you get the perspective. Yeah. Busy is my middle name, <laughs> I mean, especially right now. Um, as I told you, we're, we're in the process of a move and it's just, it's nutty over here. And um, this is just how we've been rolling the last several years. So Yeah. yeah. So one of the reasons that I reached out to you and I said, Hey, will you come talk with us is because you have a great way with words and sharing emotions that happen as a parent, as you're going through a lot of different things, whether it's IEP meetings or it's doctor's appointments, or it's just life and moving and, and all of that. And there's a lot of mixed emotions that come with being a parent of a child with down syndrome. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And um, I'd love for you to share just some um, encouragement. Let's just start there. Usually I do encouragement at the end of the episodes, but I'm like, no, we're going to start with encouragement. So can you give some encouragement to some parents who are listening, who are feeling quite hopeless just with everything that has happened in the world and the decisions and the things that they're going through also? Yeah. So I think um, a tool that I learned from a friend who was in therapy, um, I got like bonus therapy through her therapist, um, was the power of the word. And, you know, um, I think that I used to be a butt user. It was like, having a child with down syndrome is, um, really hard, but it's also the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. And when you use that, but word, it, it kind of cancels out the first part of that sentence, you know, it cancels out the, the difficult 
pieces that come with um, parenting a child with a disability. And so um, what I like to tell my followers is, you know, it's an, it's not a but thing, it's a both and thing. You know, um, parenting a child with a disability is the hardest thing that I've ever done. And it is also the greatest joy of my life. Both of those things are true. I think that sometimes we think that, you know, I, I feel like just with how divided we are as a country and polarized everything is, it's like one or the other, pick, pick a team, pick a team. No, like, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to tell the truth because both of these things are true. Um, and so when it comes to the encouragement piece to other parents of kids with disabilities, um, I always just say like, it's okay to say that this is hard because it's hard. It's hard parenting a child in a world that is not accommodating to them. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is also, nothing's ever taught me more in my life. Um, nothing has ever been more rewarding. You know, both of those things are true. You know, I'm listening to you and I'm like, okay, teachers who are listening right now, listen to that um, switch of the language. Cause when you're doing parent teacher conferences or you're at the IEP meeting, you could switch your butts into ands and change the entire feel of an IEP meeting. That would be so big. So um, yeah, I love that piece. Uh, I, this is actually leading great into the conversation. You and I talked a little bit before this because it is a, it is a sensitive topic and um, it's something that needs to be talked about when we talk about inclusion. And I know that you're a big advocate for inclusion and you're working through a lot of barriers that are in the community, that are in the schools uh, to do that. A lot of times when we hear the word inclusion or inclusion advocate, we think that we picture a parent who is thinking um, everything has to be in general education when it comes to school or everything has to be exactly the same and that there's no leeway in that. And you just said, you know, there's, there's a but, and then there's an, and kind of thing. And I know we kind of chatted about your view on inclusion, how there can be a, a bit of an, and there can be inclusion and mm -hmm. perhaps some other things. Can you explain your, your viewpoint on that? Yeah. So, uh, for me, for what I have experienced with Anderson so far, um, I am okay with, I want him in the general education classroom, a minimum of 80% of the day. That to me is inclusion. However, I am okay with um, some specialized instruction. So uh, right now he gets pulled out for speech because it's really hard to work on articulation <laughs> around 20 of your other classmates. That's not fun, you know? So I, that to me just, it makes sense for him um, to be pulled out for that. Um, the class, the school that he's at right now, currently all students have to learn Chinese. Well, I just don't think that's appropriate for him because we're working very hard on the English language right now. And I don't want him to be confused. So during that time, he gets some more specialized um, math and reading instruction. Um, so it's not like a, for me, it's not a end all be all. No, nothing can be done outside the general education classroom. However, I do think that everything that can be brought into the classroom should, because I'm not raising him to live in a segregated world. That's not, that's not the world we live in. I'm raising him to live in an integrated world with everybody. And the best experience he's going to get with that is in the general education classroom. 
Do you have any specific examples that you would, you know, as specific as possible with keeping all the confidentiality that we keep in special education of maybe some things that you had to work through? And you can even think back to like maybe early intervention, kind of, you know, coming into the school system. What's some of the pushback that you might have gotten that you were able to work through? Hmm. I would say the most pushback I have gotten from a school, this is when we were in Texas, we're currently in Colorado. And um, he had a pretty good um, preschool experience that was um, in a fully included classroom. He, like, he was only pulled for speech. Um, but when he was leaving preschool and entering kindergarten, um, basically the school had set up a system which was not in writing or anything, but they had started something new and I saw it happening in action. I was there for a parent teacher conference and I noticed that all of these kindergartners came into the preschool classroom while the preschoolers were gone. And what they were doing was they were basically putting these kindergartners with disabilities in an inclusive classroom um, for half or more of that than of their day. And then um, they were being segregated the rest of the day. And um, they basically were doing this testing, test trial period without putting it in writing. If they did well during this kind of um, phase in kindergarten and inclusion, then they would go on to be in an inclusive environment in first grade. If they didn't, then they would go into a segregated environment in first grade. Um, This resulted in a five and a half hour IEP meeting because um, they were planning on doing this with Anderson. I was like, no, in no way is this individualized. This is a system that you've developed that is quite frankly unlawful. Um, So that's the biggest pushback we've ever gotten. I was very thankful for my advocacy training that I've done. I'm not a, a certified advocate, advocate, but you know, the um, different advocacy courses like partners in policymaking and rights law and on all of those that I had done because I just knew what they were doing was, was not legal and not research. They had no data to do this. Um, so <laughs> and, just, and the families didn't know what was going on. They didn't know. <sighs> they did not know. Yeah, and, we have to be transparent. People wonder how come there's a lack of trust in our special education world. And it's because there's not a whole lot of transparency. I have hope for this next generation of teachers and that, that are questioning a lot of things and good for them, but they're hitting the same barriers. Like they're questioning things and then they're like, oh wait, but I need my paycheck. And you know, they're not wrong. They, they do, they need their paycheck and we need them showing up to do that. But anytime you question something, there, there's pushback on both sides. That, that's what, really 100%. And let me tell you the reason that I figured that out. I, like I said, I was in there for a parent teacher conference and I kind of saw what was happening, but the teacher who was a young teacher, it was her first year of teaching who had just done all of this excellent training at her university on inclusive education gave me a heads up and guess what? Like if she hadn't, I, I think I would have been very blindsided and she ended up leaving that school you know? Um, and that's, that's sad that she felt like she had to leave that school because she couldn't deal with that unlawful and unjust system. Yes. And there's so many teachers right now nodding their heads like, yep, been there, Mm -hmm. done that, you know, might've just left a school or they're considering leaving a school because of just practices that are, they're just not right. Like whether they're lawful, unlawful, that like, it's just not right. Mm -hmm. Um, to, 
to judge a child in that way and to not individualize. So let's talk a little bit about, you have um, a book that talks about faith and you have some support for parents in that way. And this is a conversation we don't talk a whole lot about on here. We don't talk about faith. We don't talk about um, God in that way, but when I see some of your posts, I'm like, yes. So having a brother with down syndrome and growing up, um, believing in God, going to a church for my own religious education was a group Catholic, um, with that seeing my brother segregated in the church mm -hmm. and it not being accessible. And then them only having special needs programs, like there no inclusion in the other things. I think that's a lot of experiences that's happening in the, in the world still, like when I talk to families and then I, you know, hop on Facebook and I see your post and you've got, you know, some things where like you, you have this faith and you have these things. And I feel like a lot of times our families with disabilities want to lean on faith or they want to believe and they want to dig in and, the, but they, they don't have that community piece. So can you just tell us a little bit about your book? Um, I, again, I'll have the link here for everybody there. And just how do you say, um, leaning into your faith when, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to do. Hmm. Uh, okay. So the book that I am currently writing, um, that's going to be published in 2023, um, is mostly it's about how our unexpected circumstances, um, can really help us become who God desires us to become. Right. We, um, I think we are known and loved for who we are. There's nothing that we have. Anderson has taught me this a lot. Um, there's nothing that we can do to earn our worth. Um, it's just, it's already just settled from the beginning. God, in the beginning, God said it was very good. And we're a part of that, right? Um, but we were also all um, put here to grow. We're, we're loved as we are. It's a paradox. We're loved as we are, but we're meant to grow. We're meant to become somebody, um, the most, the highest version of ourselves. Let's put it that way. Um, and I think that our unexpected circumstances can really help us live into our God dreamed entirety. Um, and that is a message that I want parents, uh, who, who follow me to know that, um, these adversities, um, that I see Anderson experience. And then these adversities that I experienced being his mother, um, trying to fight for equity for him and others like him. Um, is it fair? No, but it is helping me become who I believe, um, God always dreamed that I would be. And I think that our unexpected circumstances for all of us can do that as well. So that's, that's my main messaging when it comes to faith and unexpected is, is there's hope in our unexpected experiences. And that hope is not always that our circumstances is going, are going to change, um, but that there can be change. And that oftentimes that change is from within. I love that. It's so much bigger than an IEP meeting, right? When we're looking at what, you know, what are we doing and why are we doing this? It's bigger than an IEP meeting. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than, you know, the, the 12 or 15 years that we spend in school, you know, it, it's, it's 
bigger than that. And I feel like I have a perspective of that now having a brother who's 44, you know, with Down syndrome and he's living in Florida doing his thing with my mom and they're, um, you know, they're not in a segregated community. He lives with my mom and they're integrated into a 55 and over um, community. You know, he's, he can't wait to get his golf car and drive around with all, you know, my mom's going to drive it, their dog and drive around the community and be part of that community and have this meaningful life. And I think that's, that's so important. If you could give, um, teachers mm-hmm. some words of advice, some words of just kind of insight of some things that they either should or should not say, to parents who are coming to the IP, it could be seasoned parents, you know, it could be new parents. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a specific situation in there, but if, do you have some words of wisdom for teachers of, of things that, things that maybe you heard that you were like, Oh, I'm so happy. The teacher told me that. Or sometimes, you know, we hear a sentence and it's kind of like a dagger and, and we don't forget those. So do you have some words for them? Hmm. I'm trying to really think Anderson has only had one not so great teacher and she ended up quitting like six months after starting. So, um, we've really been very fortunate with teachers. Um, I think what, I don't know if I have things not to say other than just assuming I do feel like I've heard not necessarily from teachers, but from just professionals, um, that have worked with my child, whether it's a paraprofessional, maybe a teacher, a therapist or something, but just like a, working off of like a deficit model. Well, he can't do this. He can't, you know, um, instead of like, he's really good at this and he really needs help with this. You know, that's just such a better way to, to communicate with the parent. First of all, um, I had a friend yesterday, I went to her house and she was like, this new therapist just told me she's not doing this. She's not doing this and asking all of these like really negatively focused questions instead of like focusing on what she is really thriving and excelling at. So I think just, um, looking at the whole child, um, and just knowing that they're, they're a human being first. Um, and what do we all want as human beings? We want to belong. That's what we want. And my child should walk into school every day, knowing that they belong. They belong with everybody else. And, um, so if I had any advice for teachers, it's just to keep that in mind. This is a child that belongs because they are here and they're human. Absolutely. We say that all the time in our master IEP coach community. You know, when I, when I teach the module to new master IEP coaches about inclusion, I say inclusion is an experience, not a place. And a child should feel included from the time they step onto campus to the mm-hmm. time they, they get back home, that that's, that's a place where they are, where they belong. They're a part of that, whether it's walking down the hallway, it's the playground, or again, it's just, you know, coming off that bus in the morning and, and just being part of that school community is so very important. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So is there anything else that you want to make sure that parents know about the IEP process. If you were just like, can I just, if I could tell every parent one thing, I would tell them this. Mm. Oh, I have so many things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say, I I am going to give you a couple things. I would say that you lead the meeting. Um, I I did not lead the first two meetings and um, now I do. Now I kind of have like a little speech 
that I give at the beginning of the meeting. I have like pictures of Anderson and just kind of talk about little things that he's done over the last year um, and just kind of try to paint a picture for who he is outside of school. Um, and I always read our vision statement with that. And um, I always, um, I always bring up the statistic, if you've heard me on other podcasts, or it's a quote, I'm sorry, um, from Dr. Eric Carter. And yeah, you know, and it's, uh, it's about how um, early segregation does not, what, oh gosh, I'm going to mess this up now, but it's about how early segregation doesn't merely predict later segregation, it almost ensure it all but ensures it. It's something like that. Um, and that we're looking for an integrated life for Anderson. That's, and it relates back to our mission statement. We want him to have an integrated life. We want him to have a life of choice. And um, that means like a fully inclusive education where he learns how to be a human in this human world, right? Um, so we always start off with that. And then just one more thing um, that I did not learn about until later that I feel like has made a huge difference is um, doing that parent concerns letter um, and telling, um, sending it to your teacher, special education coordinator, whoever, and telling them to put it in the IEP. Um, I feel like that changed a lot of things for us when we were in um, that not so great situation in Texas. Um, and it's been discussed a lot here in Colorado as well. And I feel I just feel like it's a powerful piece that not a lot of parents necessarily know to do. Absolutely. So I'm going to give a shout out again to the master IP coach mentorship and just let you guys know that if you're like, what is this parent input statement, this parent concerns, parent vision, all of those things. That's a huge piece of our training. Also, that's something that I've been doing for over 20 years um, in education, both when I was a teacher in the classroom and then working with parents and teachers in schools. It just that's what puts the truly individualized piece into the IEP. So there's, there's 99 things that we could choose to work on in the IEP, but um, that will bring us in all different directions. We need the parent's vision. We need this parent concerns. We need mm -hmm. to know what is happening outside of school and what that long-term thought is to really uh, put us on the path for success. And we, you know, we do a reminder all the time. I'm going to give a shout out um, just for those of you, I haven't said it the last couple of times on the podcast that the entire purpose of an IEP is not just to provide a free and appropriate public education, but it's to meet a child's unique needs and prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. Mm -hmm. And those three categories are so important. And those can be worked right into your concerns, right into your parent vision statement. So on that note, again, everybody, just so you know, there are going to be links wherever you're listening to this or watching this above, below, in the show notes, all the places, make sure you connect and follow with Jillian. And, you know, you are truly a, just a light on social media. There is so much darkness. There's so much division. There's so much chaos. And um, just thank you for being you and who you are in our disability community and bringing this leadership and hope to everyone. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing and um, educating teachers and parents alike and bringing us together and, you know, getting us on the same team instead of separate teams. And I just appreciate what you do too. So thank well, you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time on the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast.